Let's just give God a hand. So they are my rough editing skills, as you can tell on that video, the nice um, sudden cut. Well, before you be seated, turn around, say a quick hello to somebody uh, online. We are so glad that you are with us today. Uh, it is so good to be here today. Uh, online, make sure you're commenting. Let us know where you're watching from, if you haven't already. Tell you what, it is... Um, it's a little bit weird watching yourself on the screen, isn't it, Leanne? <laughs> it's like, I feel a bit self-conscious and a little bit awkward. Alrighty. How is everybody today? Alright, I've got two people good. Let's try this again. How is everybody today? Alright. I'm half convinced about this side. How's this side today? Yay. Yeah, good. Good. Well, it is so good to be here. And um, who's excited to be in church today? You know, like um, Chriselle was sharing this morning in uh, pre-service prayer that she was really expectant in coming to church this morning. I'll tell you what, I've been feeling the same. Also... Chriselle's um, giving lip syncing. Lucky I'm a good uh, lip reader. Kids, you can go out. You guys are heading out with Adam. They're going out with Adam. <laughs> um, hey, Lisa and Dean. So kids, feel free to head out. Um, I think there's some Olympic quality basketball happening outside there. Um, kids, if you're watching online... You can stay and watch me if you want to. Um, but yeah, we're just really excited and expected just to be in church today. And uh, who can tell me, I want you guys to shout me down this morning. Who can tell me our series? Over Fear. Who is Over Fear? And um, our series has been Over Fear. And, you know, just really... Everywhere you turn, every time I'm turning on media and there just seems to be this fear that is just um, trying to thread its way in society and culture and I was like kind of half jokingly sharing but kind of half serious. When I saw people panic buying toilet paper, I'm like, I probably need to jump on that bandwagon as well. You know, I probably should have learnt from the 2020 lockdowns when we didn't have toilet paper and yes, I had to go around to public toilets to see if I could borrow some toilet paper. That I was like, I think I'm definitely underprepared and I probably need to panic buy toilet paper because our kids in our house have a motto, one roll for one wipe. And so that is our kids' motto in our household. So you can see, I was fearful. I, I'm feeling like this is going to be a very long Pandemic. This is going to be a very long panic buy. Um, and I'm going to, you know, have a. I'm going to spend all my savings just on plumbers trying to unplug the toilets. Uh, but you know, there was this moment. There was this moment where I really felt the Holy Spirit just speak. You know, I was kind of half joking, but half not. And I don't know about you, but I, I was finding myself buying into the fear, buying into some of the panic that is happening in and around culture and society at the moment. And I just so clearly just heard from God, just saying, Dave, just stop. I did not give you a spirit of fear. 
Come on, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but you know, my spirit, actually, I've given you a spirit of love. I've given you a spirit of power. I've got the wrong way. I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I just really believe that, you know, for us as the church, you know, we've got Jesus' example. If Jesus is the head of the church, if the same spirit that was alive in Jesus is here in me, if the Holy Spirit does not give me a spirit of fear, then I think for us as a church, for us as Christians, that we have an opportunity to actually be hope in someone else's world. We, ha- we have the chance to, you know, be light when other people may be experiencing darkness. And I just really, you know, the heart behind our Overfear series, has people been enjoying the Overfear series? You know, I listened back to Dean's message last week, and Dean, if you catch this online, you preached an amazing message on truth over fear last week. And, um, and, and I just, our heart and our prayer is that as we do this series, may we be equipped to overcome fear. Because the Bible gives us tools. The Bible gives us keys in equipping us to actually battle and combat. Because fear is, it can be real. Like I I talked about the time when I was out diving and, um, you know, there were orca sightings. And all of a sudden I start thinking of free willy and then I start thinking of killer orcas and I froze. I'm, I'm out in the ocean. All of a sudden, my 50 meters from shore. If you asked me the story when I got in, I was five kilometers offshore. You could only just see the land. And the great whites didn't scare me. It was the killer orcas that were lurking about. All of a sudden, fear overtook me. And who's been in those places where you felt fear physically overpower you? It, it has paralyzed you. And, you know, it took a moment for me to compose my thoughts and fix my thoughts on all things good, on all things above. And, um, and I'm like, Jesus, just give me the supernatural ability to walk on, G- on water like Peter so I can quickly hurry back to that shore. And um, so fear, it is real. Uh, but the Bible, it actually gives us keys. It gives us tools to actually equip and empower us to actually walk through and overcome fear. And so, over fear. I'm over fear. Who's with me this morning? Online, I'm praying that you're with me this morning, that we are over fear. And so, so far we've looked at, we've looked at praise over fear. And we looked at how powerful praise is in overcoming fear. We looked at the story of David and Goliath and how Goliath, he was a voice of fear, wasn't he? Think about it, one man caused, you know, over one million soldiers to stand paralyzed in fear for 40 days and 40 nights. And you know what that's like? like I've, you know, felt like I've had seasons where I've just felt like voices, fear, anxiety, things just hammering me day in and day out, day in and day out to the point where it feels like it's broken me down and I don't see a way out of what is against me. But I love David's response. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to come against the armies of the living God? You come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And so David declared praise over Goliath. And so our first tool is let's catch a heart of praise. When we feel fear, when you feel anxiety, when you feel that fear and it just paralyzes you still, let's actually just draw something from deep within our hearts and in our spirits and declare how great is our God. 
how great is our God. Come on, sing it with me. No, don't sing. We're not allowed to sing. I realise, you know, worship leading mistakes in COVID 2021. Get the church to sing. Hey, church, sing with me. Let's just break all the health regulations. Um, So praise over fear. Then the next week we looked at Proverbs um, chapter 3, 5 to 7, where Solomon says, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And so we looked at trust over fear. That, And I think what a perfect message for us as a church, that where are we putting our trust in this season? Our trust needs to be in God. Our trust needs to be in Jesus because he's the one that will lead us. He is the one that will guide us. And even brought it back to Psalm 23 that was written by young shepherd boy. Well, the Bible describes David as being young and handsome. Yes, you know, I do identify with that. Um, with the young part anyway. Um, and um, stop, stop. You may see a birthday creeping up on Facebook in a couple of weeks. Just ignore that um, for the record. Uh, but we looked at how David, as a young shepherd, wrote Psalm 23. And he says, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will what? Why will I fear no evil? Because God is with us. And so David just had this revelation that, yes, not all my experiences in life are going to be up here on the mountaintop. Yes, I'm not going to wake up singing that happy song every single day. Yes, there are going to be seasons where I feel like I am walking in the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds pretty fun, doesn't it? I don't want to do that journey. Uh, is that David just being? Is that David just being like over exaggerating his season? But he says, though seasons come at me, those seasons where fear, those seasons where it, I feel totally overwhelmed and overcome, I will fear no evil because my trust is in God. God is with me every step of the way. And I just think, you know, for us in this season, let's choose trust over fear. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so when fear and and we, as a church, we're navigating this world at the moment, well, what's our trust going to be? Let our trust be in Jesus. Let's continue to seek first the kingdom of God. And so this morning, I'm really excited about this morning's message. And um, I know, watch out. Watch out. We're going to turn it up. Um, As I was preparing, and I love it when you think you have something that you're going to share, but then as you're preparing and reading, the Holy Spirit just shows you another dimension to the verse. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to go on a journey together through 2 Timothy 1.6.8, which says, For God did not give you a spirit of fear. Say that with me. God did not give me a spirit of fear. Give you. Say, God did not give me a spirit of fear. And so for the next couple of weeks, we are going to unpack 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 8. And so I'm going to read it. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 8. And if you're following at home, uh, we're reading from the Passion Translation this morning as well. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. So Timothy is a spiritual son of Paul, and this is what he says. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into 
into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you almighty power of love, power of love and self-control. And then verse eight says, so never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be embarrassed over my imprisonment, but overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. So Paul says to Timothy, the first thing he says here is, I want you to fan into flame the gift that God has imparted to you. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And as I was reading this, I thought, you know what? This verse is so significant. And what I want to do is I actually want to give us a bit of background to this letter. I want to give you a bit of background to what Paul is saying here because when we understand the context, when we understand the background in what is happening here in this letter, it actually has so much more power. It actually has so, there's actually a revelation that comes with that. So, Timothy and Paul, they had this amazing, this very special relationship. And, you know, Paul, Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. And, Paul is writing this letter imprisoned and about to be executed. This is Paul's very last letter to his spiritual son. And so when you think about that straight away, there is emotion attached with this letter, isn't there? When you think about it, this is Paul's last opportunity to tell Timothy everything that's on his heart. This is Paul's last opportunity to encourage, to equip and to warn Timothy about what's going on. And then you can imagine Timothy reading this letter and his heart dropping. His heart is sinking. Now, why is this even, what makes this even more significant is the church at Ephesus. So when we go back to Acts chapter 19, We read about Paul and his missionary journey. He's got Silas and he's got Timothy with him. They're traveling all through Asia Minor. They're going to all the Greek cities. And everywhere they go, there's these revivals, these mini revivals that are breaking out. The the word of God is being spread. We're reading about healings, miracles. We're reading about, one, the church being planted Two, we're reading about fierce opposition. So as quickly as Paul gets in and plants the church, as quick as he's ran out of town by the mob. And then we read about the city of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a prominent Greek city back in the day. It was affluent. It was, um, it was like a financially secure city. And when we read, when Paul and Silas and Timothy get to the city of Ephesus, they find 12 believers that had been baptized in water by Apollos. And so Paul finds these 12 believers and that's who he starts with. He starts with this 12 and he starts telling them about Jesus. He starts telling them about the resurrected Jesus. And they're like, yeah, we got that. And he goes, well, have you got the Holy Spirit? And so he starts telling him about the Holy Spirit. And he goes, you've been baptized in water. Let me baptize you in the Spirit. And so we read that these 12 believers then get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, if you thought the church in Ephesus was already about a nine or 10, it all of a sudden gets ramped up to about a level 100. 
Um, and then we read that Paul, as his custom, he'll go to the temple and he'll debate with the Jews about the resurrected Jesus. And then it says that every day for two years, Paul is teaching. It's like a Bible school. It's like a Bible college. Paul is mentoring, training, discipling the Christians that are coming in and getting saved in the church of Ephesus. Every single day, Paul sees this as his mission. He sees this as his urgency. He's like, I need to impart. I need to train. I need to equip these guys with the gospel and who Jesus is. And so starts with 12. Starts with 12 men, women that encounter the Holy Spirit, encounter Paul's ministry. Then we fast forward it, right? This is where it starts getting really exciting. Um, it then goes on to say, and in the Passion Translation, it has revival breaks out. What a pretty cool subtitle, hey? You know, I would love that to be written up over Shoalhaven. Revival breaks out. Come on, revival breaks out. Say that with me. Revival breaks out. Out. Revival, what is it? It is an awakening of hearts. It is an awakening of lives to who Jesus is. It is the gospel becoming alive and living in people's worlds. Now, such was the power, such was the impact of the gospel that we see a city-wide revival. And you think, okay, that's pretty cool. Well, Let's, let's read what, what um, Luke records this as. He says that such was the impact of this revival that people were bringing out their magic books. People were bringing out their idols that they worshipped. So the world pre-Christianity, they worshipped Zeus. They worshipped all, all, all the different Greek gods, Greek mythology, which we've all heard about. And so they would have individual little statues that they'd worship. So they'd say prayer to Hermes or they'd say prayer to Zeus or whatever the god of their region was. They would say prayers. Then they also believed in the supernatural. And so they had magic books and they would practice magic. When the gospel become alive, when revival broke out, they, the people began saying, I don't need these false idols anymore. I don't need my magic books. I don't need to worship gods that are made with human hands. But our God that we serve and worship is a living and a personable God. And so they start bringing their magic books into the city. So think about it. In, imagine if down here, we blocked off the Princess Highway, right in front of the Civic Center, and people just started bringing their idols. They just started bringing the things they worship, and they're throwing it down into a fire. And, and it's not just one or two people, but the entire city are gathering together as they're burning their magic books. They are shouting praises to Jesus. Now, it is estimated that $7 million dollars Seven million dollars of uh, idols, of magic books, was burnt that day in the city of Ephesus. Far out. Uh, you know, this brings perspective to what God was doing in the city of Ephesus. Then as quick as revival breaks out, the silversmiths are like, we're going broke. We're losing our money. 
And, and it's a legitimate reason. They're losing their source of income in their, their ability to pro- provide for their family. So then they start stirring up the crowds. And then all of a sudden, so we've got revival breaks out in Ephesus. We're like, come on, we want that. Then the next one is riots break out in Ephesus. And so just as quick as revival breaks out, riots begin breaking out. And then there's a sound and they're dragging Christians into the courtyards and they're accusing and yelling and shouting at them. And then it says, such was a noise that the governor of Ephesus freaked out. He's like, if the Romans here of what is happening. They're going to march on their soldiers. They're going to bring martial law. We're going to lose a lot of civilians. So they're freaking out going, what do we do? Now, we've got Paul. Paul's sitting there, let me at him. Just let me talk. Let me tell him about Jesus. The disciples are literally dragging him out of the city. Go, Paul, if you go in there, you're dead. Well, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. I don't care. Let me tell him about Jesus. And then the governor's begging him going, Paul, please. Please do not come in. And so Paul flees. He, he has to go. So Paul leaves the city, leaves Timothy and Silas in the city to deal with his mess. Um, and now we fast forward it. Right, so now let's fast forward it. That gives you a bit of a background about the revival in Ephesus. When Paul writes the letter to Timothy, Timothy is now the bishop of the church in Ephesus. Now, you think, okay, it's cool. You know, Timothy is leading this church in Ephesus. Now, early scholars believe that the size of the church in Ephesus, so revival breaks out in Ephesus, riots could not stop the move of God. Timothy takes over the church, ready? The church size is believed to be in the city of Ephesus, a hundred thousand people the church in Ephesus when revival breaks out no riots no noise no move against God can actually stop a move of God and so we read here Timothy young Timothy the spiritual son of Paul leading this church of a hundred thousand people man I struggle doing two churches never alone doing um you know a church of a hundred thousand people And so here, Paul, can you imagine the pressure with that? Riots are still breaking out. It's rough for Christianity in Asia Minor at the moment. You know, Timothy's probably just, you know, flashed up on his his tablet. Yeah, his stone tablet. Come, we got Father's Day coming up. I've got to warm up. I've got to warm up some of these bad dad jokes. Come on, things that make you cringe. If you cringed at that, then I've done my job. That was a good dad joke. And he would have heard about the apostles being dragged off and martyred. He would have heard about, you know, even people and families in his own church being excommunicated, beaten. And and so straight away, without reading Paul's letter, there is an element of unknown. There is an element of being, oh, one, how do I manage this church of 100,000? Paul, where is your, you know, where's your um, manual on this? And then he gets this letter from Paul saying, hey, I'm about to die. <laughs> it's all right, Timothy. 
And then that's another sermon in itself. It's like the Holy Spirit warned Paul so many times on, if you go, this is what's going to happen. Paul's like, I don't care, I'm going anyway. He's like, all right. Um, And so we've got here, Timothy. The the threat, everything is so real. The pressures of ministry would have been there. Then reading this heartbreaking letter that this is Paul's last letter. And it says that this letter was written to Timothy in urgency. And then we read, what, what does he say? He goes, I'm writing to encourage you to fan a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you for when I laid my hands upon you. And as I read that, I think, Paul is here saying to Timothy, Timothy, do not let fear, do not let the circumstance overwhelm the call that God has placed on your life. He was saying, you know, Timothy, your call, your purpose, the anointing that rests upon your life is not meant to smolder. You're not meant to be a pile of hot coals and you throw a tiny bit of warmth. He's saying to Timothy, no, fan into flame. Fan into flame the call of God. And and when you translate that, it literally means excite the gift. And so he was saying to Timothy, no, this is not a time. Do not give in to fear. Do not let fear kill your call. Do not let fear damper the anointing that is on your life. Rather, fan into flame the anointing that God has placed upon you. And so the first thing uh, this morning I want to hit on, that there is an anointing, there is a call, there is a gift that God has given each and every single one of you. If you're watching with us online, there is an anointing and a call that God has given to you. And this is not a season to let that anointing or to let that call fade and die away. No, this is not a season to let the fire, to let the passion, to let what God is doing in your life just be a smoldering bunch of coals. No, no, this is a time and a season to excite the gift. Say that with me, excite the gift. Turn to the person next to you and just say, excite the gift. Say it with a bit of passion. You know, get some crazy eyes. Excite the gift. Get the crazy eyes happening. Excite the gift. You see, the circumstance and the situation Timothy was in. One, how do you run a church of 100,000 people? He's a younger man, and so he's got people bringing all their points of view on how Timothy should be running church. Sounds a little bit familiar, if you ask me. No, no, you guys are great. You guys are great. It's the other church. No, it's not really. Um, (laughs) um, Then he's got the reality of Paul, his spiritual father, passing away. And so he's got the heartache of that. And I tell you why, I reckon there would have been a moment where Timothy's like, is this really worth it? Am I really called to this? Come on, how many times have we been in a place of doubt? How many times have we been in a place that the fear of the unknown is like, I just don't know. I just don't know if I've got it in me anymore to keep going. And here Paul, first thing he says is like, 
Timothy, come on, fan into flame. The kingdom of heaven is far too important to let the call of God on your life. Timothy, you have such an important part and the role to play. There are people in darkness. There are people in chains and bondages. There are people that need the good news of who Jesus is. And Timothy, you need to excite the gift. You need to excite the anointing that is on your life so you can continue to help lead and shepherd other people. And I believe that that is a word for us today. That God is saying, come on, do not let fear, do not let the unknown hide your light. Do not let fear, do not let the unknown actually smolder and kill off the anointing that God has placed on your life. No, no, I'm not going to wait for a pandemic to pass me over before I shine again. As a church, we can't wait. Because the message we carry is hope. The message we carry is life. The gospel says it's not bad news. It's not judgmental news. It's not condemning news. No, the gospel is good news. And if we just, as a church, we just shrink back and hide, and we're not COVID safe, putting our arms around people and doing life with people, And being a voice of hope, sharing our story, sharing our testimony on how God, God's delivered me from the mouth of the lion. He's delivered me from the paws of the bear. I'm going to walk out of this season because God has chosen an anointment. Come on, I want you to catch this morning. You were born for such a time as this. Come on, the church, we exist for such a time as this. And the church, we've got to be light. We've got to be a beacon of hope for our community and for our region. If you're watching online, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Don't hide. And I just really see this morning, one of the reasons why I was excited is I just see calls of God being reignited. I just see for people, you may feel like even your relationship with God is smoldering. You know, the thing about fire is... You know, we've got a fireplace at home and you know we put logs in it overnight and by morning it's just a smouldering heap of coals. You just put some fresh fuel on it, let some air into it and what happens? It heats up and it goes, wish we could do that in fire theory, that'd be easy explanation, hey ads. You know, the call of God is in you. God has a plan and a purpose. And it may be smoldering at the moment. Guess what? It's not over. All we need to do is just open up that window of our heart and let the breath of the Holy Spirit in afresh. And I can guarantee you, if you dare to open that door to your heart and you let the Holy Spirit in, He's going to fan into flame the gift and the call that God has placed on you. And so I want to finish up on this point. So He says, Come on, Timothy, choose anointing over fear. Choose the call of God that is on your life over fear. Then he says, for God did not give you. He didn't start with that. He started, your call of God is so important. Your call of God is above fear. For God did not give you a spirit of fear. Come on, church. God did not give you a spirit of fear. If you're watching online, God did not give you a spirit of fear. Now, to unpack this, the word fear here in Greek is delelia, which denotes cowardness or timidity so we know we we, like when we think of fear we think of the fear that paralyzes you the fear that stops you still 
But what about the fear that is timidity? God says to Tim, um, Paul commands Timothy, come on, Timothy. God didn't call you to be timid. God didn't call you to cower away. No, God gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of love. He gave you a spirit of sound mind. You know, what is timidity? Timidity is the state or quality of lacking self-assurance, courage, or bravery. You know, what the spirit of fear does, it actually causes self-focus and not God-focus. Come on, when timidity comes up against you, you're relying on your own abilities. When timidity comes against you, that means your focus is wholly and solely on you and not on the Creator, not on Jesus. Come on, there, there is something here. And, and, and so, you know, here he's saying, come on, Tim, Timothy, don't let timidity actually weigh you down. What you need to do when timidity comes out, you need to speak truth into the face of timidity. You need to speak Jesus when timidity comes at you. Come on, when, when fear comes against you, it takes courage to move through fear. Whether it's, you know, we, we come against anxiety, whether there, there is, you know, the very real wrestle in our mind in the night, it actually takes courage to say, I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to turn my eyes to God and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get support and stuff around me. It takes courage. It takes courage to come against the face of fear. It takes our eyes to be on Jesus. Let's have a quick look at Proverbs 29 and 25. No, not Psalm. Proverbs 29 and 25. Fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back. Wow. Fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back. But when you place your confidence in the Lord, you will be seated in the high place. How amazing is that? It is, when you place your confidence in God, we'll be lifted up above fear and will be seated in the high places with him you know i think truth and dean hit on it last week and it was such a great message and dean didn't know what i was preaching on this morning we sort of prepped the same time and they just link in you see truth i feel like at the moment in society there are so many voices that are claiming truth You've got voices that you should try pastoring in this season. It is great fun. You've got people that are claiming their truth over here, saying, Pastor, you need to come over here. You need to come and listen to my truth because my truth is the right truth. And then when you hear my truth, you need to tell everyone about my truth. And then you've got people over here saying, No, Pastor, don't listen to that truth. That truth is wrong. You need to come over here and listen to this truth because when you hear this truth, then you'll be able to tell these people over here my truth. And then, Pastor, what I want you to do is go over here, grab these people over, Bring them over to my side of truth and then we'll promote this truth here. It's exhausting. But there is so much noise. 
Come on, there is so much noise in society at the moment. And this noise that is claiming truth wants to separate us. We are not called to be separated. We are called to walk together. And so when people say to me, you need to walk in this truth or this truth, I'm like, no, because the Bible says that I got to seek first the kingdom of God. And if your truth causes fear or your truth causes panic and divides people, then neither of your truth is from God because Jesus says, I am the truth truth that sets you free. Come on, Jesus is the truth that sets you free from fear. And so I want to encourage us, where are our eyes? Because if our eyes are on Jesus, we've got grace for other people's truths. And we don't have to promote agendas. We promote love. (laughs) Come on, we promote love. We don't stomp over people. We, 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 we put our arms around people and we keep pointing and walking with people towards Jesus together. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one else comes to the Father except through me. Come on, we've got to speak truth over fear. And the truth isn't agendas, the truth is Jesus. We've got a point. Our message has to be about Jesus. Anointing over fear, what does that do? When the anointing of God rises up in our lives. Like the 12 in Ephesus, we can't help but go out and tell people about Jesus. It started with 12. Can you get your head around 12 people? that rose in the anointing that God had on their lives and called others into it. We read about a revival, a city side of revival. Revival breaks out in Ephesus. Come on, revival breaks out in the Shoalhaven. Come on. I'm bold to declare that revival breaks out in the Shoalhaven. And when fear tries to dictate truth, when fear becomes noisy, I'm actually going to keep my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to speak truth over fear. No, I know Jesus and he's the truth that sets me free. So I want to close the message off there and I'm going to get Sally to get up in a second, round us off. But I just want to pray. I want to pray for you at home if you're watching this morning. And I just, you know, give me a thumbs up if you want me to include you in this prayer this morning. And just for us here, excite the gift. Excite the gift. Say that with me. Excite the gift. I just believe this morning that there is an anointing that is going to come afresh on you. For you online, I believe that God is going to touch you this morning as well. That you have a call, that there is a plan and a purpose for you. And I'm going to pray. I want to pray for those that might feel like the call is smoldering. They may, you may feel like even your walk with God is smoldering at the moment. If I get every eye closed and just lift your hands and we're going to pray. And we're going to believe this morning that the Holy Spirit will excite the gift, will excite the call. Um, you might 
be sitting here thinking, well, I actually don't know what my call or purpose is. I'm going to believe this morning that your call and your purpose will be awakened as well. And so, Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. Jesus, we thank you that you are the truth that sets us free. And I just thank you for Paul's words to Timothy and how he just says, come on, Timothy, excite the gift, fan into flame the call that was imparted to you. And I just pray for every person watching. I pray for every person here in Dollar this morning. And I pray pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move again, that you would move over people's lives, you would move in families, you would move in households today. I pray that your anointing would fall afresh and I pray that you would cause a fire. I pray that you would cause an excitement for you and for your kingdom that we would not be able to contain it. And just like the testimony of the city of Ephesus, that we would see a revival break out here here in the Shoalhaven, that we would see your name lifted up across a region. We would see generations come out of darkness and into freedom. We would see hope rise up. We would see justice come to this region. And so I pray now for every person here, Holy Spirit, would you fall? Holy Spirit, would you move afresh in every heart, in every life? I pray for those that feel like they're just smoldering away. I pray now that as we open our doors to you, that you would just breathe afresh in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen.